morning, everyone. Good morning. So, uh, Psalm 34. <clears throat> so, the psalmist says, uh, it says it's of David when he changed his behavior before Abimelech so that he drove him out and he went away. So, interesting fact is that these little headers in the Psalms were not added later by Bible scholars, like the section headings and other books in the Bible. Uh, in Psalms, the headings were actually in the original Hebrew. Uh, and in fact, the Hebrew Bible, in, in the Hebrew Bible, these headers are actually considered verse 1. So, um, so the background of this psalm, it's uh, from, uh, you can read about it in 1 Samuel 21. So it's uh, David flees Saul, who's trying to kill him, and he goes to enemy territory to the Philistines. And the Philistines recognize him as somebody who killed Goliath, their hero. Uh, so in 1 Samuel 21, 12, we read, And David took these words to heart and was much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. So he changed his behavior before them and pretended to be insane in their hands and made marks on the doors of the gate and let his spittle run down his beard. All right, well, um, after that, King Achish kicks him out. Uh, so if we think about how David is feeling at this moment, he's probably scared, right? Saul is after him. He's so desperate for safety that he flees to enemy territory only to be found out and kicked out. And so he's probably not feeling flush with confidence right now. Yeah, and I think one lesson we can learn is that David's response to all of these afflictions is crying out to God. This psalm shows David's confidence that God is going to respond to his cry for help in his time of weakness. And I think David partially experiences this truth so vividly because he's in a position of weakness. And actually, he's in serious danger from King Achish. So he's in this terrible situation. And... Um, and so because of this, he earnestly seeks God out. But I was thinking about how in life, uh, we often don't do this. Uh, maybe it's our pride that kicks in, but we often don't want to be like how David is in this psalm. Uh, David says in verse 4, This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. So that sounds great, but it meant that David acknowledged that he was poor, and he had to come to God humbly for help. It's a cry of weakness. Um, yet at the same time, I think that's actually the, posi the position that we really want to avoid. Uh, I don't think we want to be poor. We don't want to feel weak or needy. I think our pride really dislikes the reality that, in fact, we often are all three of these things. We are poor, weak, and needy. And um, I was thinking about even the most recent prayer request for saying and grace, the missionaries to India, and how most of their family is now sick with COVID in a place with um, probably limited access to health care. And it reminds me that we are often pretty frail creatures. And at the end of the day, we have very little control over basic things like even our health. And so I was thinking how um, this psalm is a reminder from God to me that when I'm open and honest about my weakness, my burdens, um, this is an opportunity for me to be richly blessed by God. God wants me to draw near to him, um, to save me and to redeem me. And I really love this verse in verse 18. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. I think this psalm is really inviting us to draw near to God in our weakness and really experience him lifting us up. Uh, so, I was studying verses 8 to 10. Um, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is a man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. And I was trying to make sense of these verses because they kind of sound like a platitude. 
Because how does this work? You know, like if I fear the Lord, does that mean God will fill every area of my lack and that I'll lack no good thing? Well, that just doesn't really seem true to life, right? Like even when we do fear God, we lack good things. In each season of life, there are good things that we may feel like we really want. Um, maybe we lack a job. Maybe we're anxious about marriage. Maybe it's our health. Um, so is it true that when we're, so is it that, you know, when we're lacking things, oh, that just means we don't fear God enough? Well, that doesn't ring true either. You know, God is not some deity we can obligate through our devotion to get him to do stuff so for us. So how are we supposed to read these verses? Well, um, let's first skip to verses 19 and 21, which talks about affliction. Uh, verse 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous. In verse 21, affliction will slay the wicked. Mm-hmm. So I think this is saying that affliction happens to everybody. Life is filled with affliction no matter who you are, no matter if you're righteous or wicked. Mm-hmm. And that does ring true. Yeah. But it seems like the difference is that the Lord delivers the righteous out of these afflictions, whereas the wicked are slain by them. So why is this? Well, I thought about my own experience and times when I felt afflicted by external things, sad life situations that are outside of my control and um, and, and I, as I look back, you know, God delivered me out of them, not because he just took that situation away, but I got through it okay, you know. And I got through it as I trusted God in his goodness that he is ultimately leading me to be with him in heaven. There were difficult situations where I was able to bounce back. But I was thinking if I didn't have God, if I didn't have an all-powerful, wise, loving Heavenly Father, I think I would have been crushed. I think that's why it says afflictions slay the wicked. Those who don't trust or fear God, who only trust in themselves, they have no resources to turn to when there is affliction in life. Whereas if we fear God, have regard for Him, trust God and His goodness, then that delivers us from being crushed by afflictions. So <clears throat> back to verses 8 to 10, I don't think we're to read it as some kind of formula. If you fear God, then you won't have any problems or lack. No, I think this is a statement of faith and trust in God's character. In other words, I think these verses are an affirmation that God is someone who does not hold back good things from us. And he is a God who ultimately wants to provide for us what's best. And in the interim, while we feel lack in different areas and while we feel like we're lacking in some good things we would really like to have, we're to fear God and trust him in his character of goodness. Amen. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you.